We're going to continue today in the book of Romans, the first chapter. And for our reading this morning, I want us to go all the way back to verse 16. And I want to read the remainder of the chapter. I realize that's a a pretty long passage. But in the midst of reading God's Word, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in the midst of just reading His Word. If I would do nothing else but to come up here and read this passage of Scripture, the Holy Spirit could do a mighty work just in the truth that's going to be here. And so I, I tell you, even even before I begin to, to read, let, let, let's pray just one more time before we even begin to read. Dear Heavenly Father, just grant that we might all hear. And in hearing, may we understand. And in understanding, may we believe, trust, obey, and live to the praise of Your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin verse 16. I pray, be attentive to the Word of God. Let it speak. And all may our prayer be, Word of God speak. Word of God speak. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God was revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because What may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, They did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore... God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped the, and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting." being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I don't believe there's a a passage in Scripture quite like this. 
to this degree. And as I've read through this this passage in, in Romans 1, as I've stated before, there, there are portions of the Scripture that, that keep standing out to me and, and portions that I believe are key to the book of Romans because He is going to take everything He has said in chapter 1 and He is going to take the rest of the time to expound on what He has already said. And those parts, to me, are verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written, the just shall live by faith. And we talked about this in a sermon several weeks ago, uh, Martin Luther's key verse, that, that he wrestled with and, and that ultimately brought him into a clear understanding of God and of salvation. Not ashamed, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And then, another key, I believe these two verses go together, verse 18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I believe that is very key to everything we're going to be talking about. Then if we could go on uh, where Paul says in verse 25, to those who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. (laughs) Don't you like how Paul, right there in the middle of all this he's talking about, puts this in, who is blessed forever. Amen. It's like he had a moment, he's, he's talking about all this vile, disgusting stuff, but then he remembers the Lord, our Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See, above all, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is key. For in it, the power of God can reveal sin as well as rescue the sinner. (laughs) For those who have suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Now, let's remind ourselves what what truth is being suppressed. And again, uh, the answer is given in verses 19 and 20. Uh, through 21, if we look at those again, they suppress the truth and righteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, manifest, revealed to them, shown to them, for God has shown it to them. So, so we have a truth that everyone on the face of this planet, God has revealed Himself. Amen? through His creation, through His creation, and and to everyone, to everyone. No one is apart from this. No one is apart from this. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, His, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. Through, Through His creation, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No one, no one, no one who has ever lived on the face of this planet has an excuse. No one will be able to say they did not know God because He has revealed Himself even in His eternal power and divine nature through creation. Because although they knew God, and how did they know Him? Because He had revealed it and made it manifest to them. They did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish hearts darkened. Now, now when it's talking about the heart, this is talking about the mind and the thinking. The mind and the thinking in darkness. And apart from a miracle of grace... This is where they will stay. And to be quite honest, this is where they want to stay. Out of the light. Out of the light. They want to stay in darkness. Uh, John 3, verse 
19 and 20. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Why? Why would anybody do that? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So, even though they knew God, they did not glorify Him, they did not honor Him as God, nor did they give thanks, but rather, what did they do? Well, they made idols, false gods of their own making, false gods unto themselves, verse 23, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like incorruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So they make a God of their own making, of their own choosing. You talk to them about Scripture, well, that's not my God. My God wouldn't do the might. It's not my God. And the fact of the matter is, that's true. It's not their God. They have made their own false God. Because there is only one true God. And that is the God of creation. The God who created the universe. One true God. All other entities. False gods. That will lead them to nowhere other than the pits of hell itself. The truth that that Paul is talking about that's being suppressed. There is a God, one true God. He is the creator of all things. He is all powerful. He has made everything. He is eternal because nothing existed before Him. He is not created, but is the creator of all things. To which Paul said, Amen. See, this is confirmed. Well, let's read that verse one more time. Verse 25. And I know I'm going back over these and over these and over these, but I'll let it let it sink in. Let it sink in. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. That's what they have done. The Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They exchanged God worship for self-worship for idol worship. Rather than believing, they suppress the truth. They believe a lie. They take pleasure in unrighteousness rather than believing the truth. They have a stronger affection for the pleasure of sin than for even the thought of a true and living God. They suppress the truth to hide, to conceal the ugliness of their sin and their desires. They desire darkness. That's where they want to remain. They love sin more than God. And this, Paul says in Romans 1.18, is why the wrath of God is being poured out. Verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, that gets us to a question for today. How is God's wrath revealed? Does He send down fire from heaven to consume the unrighteous? No. No. What does He do? He gives them up. He gives them up. Twice we see that. I think it was verse 24 and verse 26. And He gives them over verse 20, uh, 28. He abandons them just as they have abandoned Him. And I want to point out two things before we go any further because the thought may come to mind, is this abandonment permanent? Is this abandonment in place until the final judgment and the lake of fire? For some, yes. Yes. They will remain in sin. They will die in their sin. And they will receive their just reward. A permanent and final separation from God, which is what they wanted on earth. They didn't want anything to do with God, and they will receive that reward for eternity, separation from Almighty God in the lake of fire, everlasting destruction. But, for some, and I believe I can take the whole of Scripture and say this, for a few, for a few, some, 
may still come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some will experience the power of God unto salvation as the light of Christ brings them out of darkness and into His marvelous light. So I don't think, this, this is me, this is where I'm at right now, I don't believe that this abandonment is necessarily permanent for all. It is for some, but not for all. Now let me ask this, for the born-again believer, does God ever abandon us? He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Now, I will say this, there are times, especially in the Old Testament, where God's people forsake the Lord and for a temporary moment of time, He forsook them. And perhaps in, a, in an avenue of discipline, God may do that for His children. They are still His children, but... In discipline, He will remove from them to leave them to themselves, it seems. And so, uh, abandonment for the child of God would be temporary. And again, that's me as I was thinking of this and, and looking at this. But until such time that repentance comes, until such time that God brings them out of darkness into His marvelous light, God gives them up. He gives them over to the consequences of their rebellion and sinful actions. Romans 1.24 Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now, I didn't write the Greek words down, but but I know as I was reading uh, some commentaries, uh, the the meaning of the Greek words that Paul uses, I believe, uh, uncleanness and the lust of their hearts have in view sexual sin. It has in view fornication and adultery. Uh, and I also believe, and it seems to me, again at this moment, that these sexual sins are of a heterosexual nature. Now, I, I say that because I know what's coming next. Okay? Sexual sins that, that, that are heterosexual of nature that, that take place before marriage, having sex before marriage, as well as adulterous relationships that take place after marriage. Now, I also want to say this. When I say marriage, I want you to understand that my definition is a biblical definition. The biblical definition. One man, one woman, united together for the entirety of their lives. That's the biblical definition of marriage. Jesus said it in Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. The Pharisees also came to Him, came to Jesus, testing Him and saying to Him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, there's a whole nother sermon that, that could be talked there. But let's keep going. Verse 4, And he, and Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he, that God made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two but one flesh, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, this is creation order. Have you not heard? Yeah, they heard. They, they had the Old Testament. They were supposed to be the keepers of the Old Testament. They've heard. Have you not heard? One male, one female called upon to fill the earth with offspring and according to nature, the only way for children to be born is by the union of a male and a female. By nature. Without this union of male and female, the human population would go extinct. End of story. And I know in this day and age, I know some of the comments I would get back from this statement. Well, you could still do uh, in vitro. You could do test tube babies. Well, think about it for a minute. You still have to have a sperm. You still have to have an egg. You still have to have male and female. And I know, I know if I would say that, here's what I'd get back. Well, 
uh, we can just clone people. That's, that's the kind of answers you get. And anyone that would go down these types of paths of reason are just grasping at straws and trying to cover up the truth. To cover up perhaps their own sin. To cover up their own lifestyle. To try to justify themselves. One male. One female. According to nature. That which is natural. Homosexual sin goes against nature. Heterosexual sin does not go against Nature. That's why I said this first part. I believe Paul was talking about a heterosexual sin because there is a downward spiral, a downward progression into the unnatural to those who have abandoned God to idols and have slipped even deeper into moral decay. Let's read verse 26 and 27 again. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile. Passions. Let me pause there for a moment. Vile passions, degrading, perverse, unnatural passions. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Does it get any clearer or plainer than that? Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And parents, I know, if kids have questions, just sit down and talk with them. And uh, and my prayer in, in sermons like this that only those who need to hear will hear and all others will be distracted into other things. So um, if something comes up and you need to talk to me, by all means, talk to me later. Now, is these verses a picture of America today? God help us. But I want to remind you of this. Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago. Keep in mind that he is addressing the conditions that he was seeing at that time. Is there anything new under the sun? Paul wrote this letter from Corinth, a city that literally lay in the shadow of the temple of Aphrodite. I saw a picture of it. There's still ruins there. And there's a mountain. Here's, here's where the city was. There's a mountain. And on top of this, it says some 1,900 feet elevation. On top of this was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, beauty, and sexual pleasure. This temple can be seen from all around. It seemed like I read where, where even those in Rome knew where this was. And history, not just biblical record, but history, records events of immoral festivals, temple prostitutes, homosexual acts, pedophilia, and other gross immoral acts that took place in this temple. This is what Paul was seeing in his day. These vile passions exchanged the natural use of the body for that which is against nature. And to that I know that many will say that homosexuality is is not unnatural. It's a natural thing. It's a beautiful thing. I know that's what they'll say, but that's, that's a lie. What do they base that on? They base that upon their own feelings. They base that upon what they have either heard or seen. Not based on absolute truth. Because we have only one absolute truth on this planet and it is God's Word. To say that homosexuality is unnatural would no doubt be classified as hate speech. It would. But this is what the Bible says. The ESV says contrary to nature. Goes against nature. But what, what was God's plan from, from creation? We already read it. He created male and female. Genesis 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, male and female, nothing else. Today in America, we're dealing with and wrestling with the transgender movement. Sexual identity syndrome. No one needs to wrestle with a question of what their gender is. Look at your birth certificate. Within seconds of your birth, the attending physician or nurse or whoever was there could tell you within a few seconds of what your gender is. It is plain. It is clear. It is physical. There is no doubt. And and if you don't want to trust these people... Look for yourself. There is no reason to ever question what your gender is. God has made it perfectly clear. To have thoughts of anything different, to have thoughts of changing gender or identity, gets into the temptation of exchanging the truth for a lie. And look at the age we're living in. You know, I know that I'm one of the oldest ones in here. Did I ever think we'd be seeing this? Did I ever think that I would be turning on news or looking at news and see that President Biden is trying to get a transgendered male into the cabinet position of health and human services of all things? Can can you even imagine that? I don't know if any of you keeps up on any of this stuff. And and if you didn't see uh, Senator Rand Paul just scorch this person as as they were doing those interviews, I don't know, you might want to look look at it. I, I don't know. But exchanging the truth for a lie. And, and so it is with anyone who claims to be a homosexual. They have exchanged the truth for a lie because it is clear from the Holy Bible that homosexuality is a sin. It is clear. Let me read just a few verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 10. We'll start in the New Testament. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice these things. And and here, Paul in this list is the same as as in Romans 1. Did you catch part of that? And, And when I was talking about heterosexual and homosexual, fornicators, adulterers, and then homosexuals and sodomites. And then, you know, sin is sin. Don't ever elevate homosexual sin above all others. Sin is sin. Uh, Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. But in regard to Homosexual sin, you can go to the book of Leviticus and people, well, you don't, don't go to Leviticus. That doesn't apply to us today. God's word is true, amen. Leviticus 18, verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Going to chapter 20 of Leviticus, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be put, shall be upon them. Back in this day, they were actually put to death if caught in this situation. That's how egregious this sin was. The cities of Sodom And Gomorrah were utterly destroyed due to their sexual depravity. We get the word sodomy from this this occurrence in the Bible. 
because of the sin that was going on. Hey, you go and read that story. They were trying to beat a door down to get inside to commit unspeakable acts with those inside. Depravity. Jude 1, or Jude verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. See, there's your example. God set forth an example of what will happen for those who remain in their sin and in this type of sin. God's condemnation of homosexuality is abundantly clear. He opposes it. Sexual immorality is a sin. So what should our response be to someone who claims to be a homosexual? Because you know the argument, don't you? You know what they're going to come back with, don't you? God made me this way. You heard that? God made me this way. I was born this way. No. Absolutely not. No one has ever nor ever will be born a homosexual. There is no homosexual genetic code. Years ago, I forget how many years ago, some of you may remember this, there was a study done where they said we found, they called it the gay gene, that 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 this was actually a genetic thing. And, and so they are made this way. So to get off our backs, they are made this way. And, and it was in play for a couple of years, and it was finally proven to be false. Even the ones who brought it forth said it was false, but then they said, but it doesn't matter now. It's been out there for so long, people believe it now. See, that's how it works. That's how deception works. You get a lie out there and you keep it out there long enough, people believe it is truth. And perhaps there are still people here today that believe that there is a genetic code with a disposition toward homosexuality. There is not. It has been scientifically disproven. No one is born a homosexual. God never created a gay baby. Never. And never will. Because since it is clear from Scripture that homosexuality is a sin, it would be contrary to God's nature for Him to cause someone to be born with that sexual orientation. Would it not? God does not cause anyone to sin, nor does He tempt anyone to sin. Where we're going next, we're going to James, first chapter. James, first chapter, verses 13 through 15. James, first chapter, 13 through 15. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Let me pause there for a moment. God would not cause anyone to be born homosexual. How is homosexuality truly born or how is homosexuality created? Let's go to verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. You want to know how a homosexual is born? There it is. When they were, they were tempted. Someone they were in contact with. Something they heard. Something they saw in a movie. Something tempted them. And enticed them. And they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Because I'm going to say it this way. And I know I get hounded for this statement too. Homosexual is a learned behavior. It is a conscious choice. It is as the Apostle Paul says, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. It is individuals choosing, making a choice to leave that which is according to God and according to nature and exchanging it for the lie of homosexual temptation. 
for homosexuality to take place at some point in that person's life, there is this exchange, to put it in Paul's terms, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. You see why I keep saying how important that is to everything that's coming. And I realize that this cuts drastically against those who are a part of the homosexual community and lifestyle, but the reality is it is the Word of God. And may we never compromise what the Bible says about sin. Homosexuality and every sin. No matter how much you desire to be compassionate to the homosexual, to the sinner, we must hold fast to the Word of God. May we not be intimidated by homosexual advocates, public opinion, or political correctness. Dusty prayed that in his prayer. One writer put it this way, quote, As you interact with homosexuals and their sympathizers, because there are those that even though they're not a part of that lifestyle, they are sympathizers. And they are integrated in the church. Those who will not call sin, sin. And I know for some it's because some of their children have gone to this type of lifestyle. And perish the thought that, that my child is living in sin. Oh, but but when when they were little, they they, they they received Christ. They asked Jesus to come into their heart. I think they were three years old and they did that. So so they're okay. No. 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 Their, their, their lifestyle, their, the fruit of their lives bears witness. Uh, now ultimately, it is God. It is God. We can see the fruit. And perhaps uh, in time, in time, there, there may be a change. But we can see the fruit. So as you interact with homosexuals and their sympathizers, you must affirm the Bible's condemnation. Now listen, everybody listen. You're not trying to bring damnation on the head of homosexuals. You're trying to bring conviction so that they can turn from their sin and embrace the only hope of salvation for all sinners. And that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Homosexuals need salvation. They don't need healing Homosexuality is not a disease. They don't need therapy. Homosexuality is not a psychological condition. Homosexuals need forgiveness. Because homosexuality is a sin. End quote. And, and I didn't think it could be put any better than that. Again, years ago, homosexuality was classed, classified as a... Uh, mental disease. And through the years, they've changed that. And the homosexual community fought and fought and fought to get that changed. And they did. But what, what could... This? Yeah, you know, they're not sick with a disease. They're sick with sin. They're sick with sin. Homosexuals need forgiveness. And... This is what we're talking about today because this is where we're at in Romans 1. But no matter what the sin is, whether homosexuality, heterosexual sins, or anything else, God has provided forgiveness, salvation, and the hope of eternal life to those who repent and believe the gospel. See, there's the good news. You see, first you have to give people the bad news. That sin is sin. Don't, don't try to start with the good news. Oh, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want, don't you want your life to be better? Who's, go, who's going to say no to that? And then as we well know, well then say this prayer. And you have never addressed the problem of sin. Start with the bad news. You're a sinner. And you're bound for hell. And you do it in love. You do it better than what I just said there. But it comes down to that. And then you tell them the good news. But God provided a way for redemption. 
a way back. You see, right after we read in 1 Corinthians 6, I believe we read verse 9 and 10 earlier, and right after that, after identifying homosexuals as those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul said this in verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. <laughs> praise the Lord. See, every, every child of God in here should, should say, praise the Lord. Because such were some of you, but you were washed, but, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. See, may we have a heart of compassion in knowing that, but for the grace of God, that could still be us. Dead in our trespasses and sins. Caught, in, caught up in whatever vile sin. That could still be us, but we were washed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is only one means of cleansing from sin. There is only one means of being washed and made white as snow. And that is the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. May we speak the truth in love. May we confront sin with the truth of Scripture that convicts sinners and points them to the hope of salvation through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. May we stay faithful to the Lord as we respond to the homosexual or any who are yet in sin by honoring God's Word, believing God's Word, trusting God's Word, and then leaving the results to Him. See, some will classify all that I've said today as hate speech, and I understand that. They will say that I'm being intolerant of their beliefs, to which I would say, aren't you being intolerant of my beliefs? See, it goes both ways, doesn't it? And always keep that in your back pocket if anybody ever tells you that you're being intolerant of their beliefs. Well, what gives them the right to, that their belief is the only one to be tolerated? What about mine? What about the Word of God? I can stand on absolute truth. I can stand on the Word of God. I've got that to back me up. One of my concerns that I think about, because I think, what's coming? What's coming? What's coming? What's coming down the road? Because we've seen everything that's progressed up to here. I believe that at some point this is going to come on trial. Because if someone will want to take me to court over things I have said, their fight is not against me, it's against this. All I'm doing is saying what this says. So I can't help but believe as things, if they progress... Lower and lower and lower. <laughs> hey, they took six Dr. Seuss books off the market, didn't they? Don't think that they can't do it to this. Isn't that a, isn't that a terrible thought? And, and if not completely take it away, rewrite it and have a national government Bible. I, I could see it coming. Take out, Thomas Jefferson did it, didn't he? He cut out all the parts and pieces 
out of the Bible, and I forgot what he ended up with. He didn't end up with much when it was all said and done. But I can almost see it coming that someday this will be outlawed in our country. A preacher, that can never happen. Don't ever think that. May we enjoy what we have now. May we enjoy the freedoms that we have now because we may not always have them to the degree that we have now. Now our message should always be the same because what I have said this morning is not hate speech. It's not. It's Bible speech. And I believe I could say this, that it's love speech. Because to warn people of their sin and of the wrath of God coming upon unbelievers is not hate speech. For me, hate speech would be anyone who would affirm sinful behavior and hasten sinners down a road of destruction. Homosexual sympathizers. What are they doing? They're hastening them down the road to destruction instead of calling sin, sin. I mean, wouldn't that be hate? To send one, someone down the road to destruction to not tell someone of the wrath to come? Wouldn't that be hate? To send someone into the hands of an angry God without telling them the truth. Oh, but God is love. No, yes, He is love, but He's also a righteous judge. So, Again, if someone wants to come at you with that argument, but God is love. But God is love. Perhaps keep some of these Scriptures in mind. And perhaps have a, some kind of little Bible that you could pull out and say, well, here, let's, let's go to God's Word. You're talking about God, so I'm assuming that, that you believe the Bible. So if you're, if you're quoting John 3.16, you must know the Bible, and so let's go to the Bible. How about uh, Psalms 5, verses 4 through 6? For you, God, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood, the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Seems pretty straightforward to me. You hate all workers of iniquity. Going to Psalms 11, verses 4 through 7. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance upholds the upright. But for the unrighteous, what? Scotty, you, you talked about fire and brimstone preachers. Well, there it is. There's always Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Some of you probably know this and have gone to this. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. But God is love. He doesn't hate. And you base that on what? This is what the Word of God says. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Those who exchange the truth of God for a lie. How many times over and over and over and over is this theme in God's Word? A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. God hates these things. Hosea 9 verse 15. Hosea 9, verse 15, All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for there I hated them because of the evil of their deeds. 
I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebellious. And should someone want to continue on and try to justify themselves by quoting John 3.16, take them to John 3.36. Take them to John 3.36. Let's go there. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I think the dusty sermon talking about, do you love me? Do you love me? Because a true believer will love Jesus Christ. Amen? And Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So, if someone says, well, God is love and and I love God. Well, if you love God, what did Jesus say? Keep my commandments. Even the commandments that deal with sexual sin. There's no excuse. As long as we keep the Bible true, as long as we let the Word of God speak, and if you go to John 15, verses 10 through 14, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things, that I, I, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Does the Lord not command obedience to His Word? Trust and obey. There is no other way. There is no other way. See, an evidence of true belief, true salvation, is to love Christ and keep His commandments. Now, is any of us perfect? No. 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 And does even a true believer succumb to temptation and sin while yet here on this earth from time to time? Sadly, yes. Yes. But for the true born-again believer... I am certain of this, that in time, conviction will come. That God the Father will not leave His child out there in sin. He will bring them back. He will leave the 99 that's in the fold. He will go after the one who has gone astray and bring them back. Discipline may be a part of that, but He will come for us. He will bring us back. He will convict us. And I believe that then that repentance on our part will follow when we come to the realization that we have blasphemed against our Lord because of our sin. And we know in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the question I would ask of anybody who may be listening to this sermon, I would ask this, do you love Jesus Christ? Do you believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ? That Jesus died on the cross to pay in full the penalty for sin for all who would believe. Jesus died on the cross and in three days He rose again so that we would have a living hope that when we die, we too will be raised unto eternal life with Jesus Christ. The Gospel. Do you believe? Romans 10, verse 9 through 13. See, here's the good news. You know, the bad news, if you want to call it bad news, but it's not really bad news, it's good news. It's good news to, call, to find out that you have sinned. That's good news. In reality, they, they may think it's bad news, but it's good news. And then here is even better news. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe 
in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in your heart, that heart that was darkened. But now, the light of Christ coming to reveal light into a dark place. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And saved from what? Scotty talked about it. Saved from the wrath of God that's coming on all unbelievers. That's what you're saved from. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Read a couple more verses. John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word, this is Christ, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, God the Father, who sent Jesus Christ, God the Father, my, uh, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment that has passed from death into life. Who's this promise made to? To whoever hears the word of the Lord and believes. And believes. John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, Jesus Christ, and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. If you drop down to verse 47, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So the question is always, do you believe? And if you say you do, then the next question would be, well, do you really love the Lord? Do you love Him? Well, yeah, sure I do. Does the life you're re living reflect that? Are you keeping His commandments? Because Jesus said, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments. My commands, all of them. Are you doing that? And there's no excuse. There's no end around to any of that. It's either yes or no. If people are being honest and being truthful. And before we pray, I, I know, I know, that there are those who, who deal with the temptation of homosexual sin. I know that. But God's words, Word tells us what to do in the midst of temptation, doesn't it? We read, we read and go, go to James. Read James again. And, and realize it's just a temptation. A temptation is not sin until it is acted on. You understand that, right? Because if you ever had a thought come in your head, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? And we've talked about it a lot. What do we do as a child of God? We take those thoughts captive, place them captive to the Word. I know that this is a fiery dart from the devil. Okay, devil, that may be what you're saying, but here's what the Word of God says. And you turn it to the obedience of God's Word. That's for anyone. And that's for any sin, any temptation. Whether it be homosexual sin, whether it be lying, whether it be drunkenness. Put, put your sin in there. Put your besetting sin in there. Because again, you can't, Take this one sin and elevate it above all. Now, it is very prevalent. It is very in the news. It is there, and I believe as children of God, we should have a response. Because to not stand and have a response and just sit back when you have an opportunity to speak, I think I'd have to call us a sympathizer, wouldn't I? 
if we don't speak, when the Lord is giving us the opportunity and, and we know that it's God calling us to speak, will, will there be some times when you may get in a situation where it's like the Lord, man, you, you see wickedness and you see evil, and it's as, as the Lord says, just walk away. Because at those times it would be just like cast, casting pearls before swine. Just go dust your feet off. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And if, if He calls you to go, go. If He calls you to stand and speak, you stand and speak. And again, I know that there's those who struggle with this particular temptation. And, and I would say to anyone who does or who are in the lifestyle, maybe living in, in a partnership with someone, I, I, I would call them to, to read the Word of God and to cry out to God. Cry out to Him that, that perhaps He might grant them faith. Faith to believe and repentance. And then, should that happen, obey the Word. Get out of that relationship. Get out of that lifestyle. Remember, if the temptation comes, it's a temptation, and then as a child of God, you fight that temptation just like any other Christian would fight any other temptation. And again, I, I like that, that one quote. Homosexuals need salvation. And this is practicing homosexuals because can a believer struggle with homosexual temptation Yes. Yes. You cannot say no to that. A true born-again believer can struggle with this temptation. I like that one quote where I read, homosexuals need salvation. They don't need healing. Homosexuality is not a disease. They don't need therapy. Homosexuality is not a psychological condition. Homosexuals need forgiveness because homosexuality is a sin. Just like a multitude of other things are sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And I know full well, Father, that but by Your grace, that could yet be me lost and bound in sin. And so, Father, I, I give You thanks for Your great plan of salvation. I give You thanks for sending Your only begotten Son. I give You thanks that, that He would be obedient to You and, and to Your will and go to the cross and give Himself a sacrifice for sin. And I am thankful that, that You raised Him from the dead and that You have given us who have believed that living hope that because He lives, we too shall live again forevermore with You. So Father, I pray that, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon any who would be listening to this. For I've heard this message. I pray that You would draw them close to Yourself. I pray, Lord, that You would open their eyes if they're in spiritual blindness. I pray that You would shine light into a darkened heart. I pray that You would reveal sin. I pray, Lord, that You would pour out conviction upon them so that they would recognize with, without a shadow of a doubt that they are sinners before a righteous and holy God. And then, Father, show them the rescue. Show them the, the forgiveness that comes through Christ and, and the Gospel. And Lord, perform a miracle of regeneration, a miracle of salvation that only You can do opening their eyes, breathing life into death, and bringing them to faith in Christ. And Lord, for all believers, I pray that You would help us, teach us, Lord, how to fight the good fight of faith. Teach us how to fight against sin. Because we know, as John Owen stated, if we are not killing sin, sin will be killing us. 
So, Father, help us to fight. Help us to stand firm. Help us to take up the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is Your Word. Help us to have compassion for the lost. That in that compassion, help us to have the boldness to speak the truth and that it would be spoken in love and not condemnation. Lord, you will, you will bring the condemnation. You will bring the conviction. All we need to do is deliver the truth that you have given us. So Father, help us. Open our eyes that we may see you and be drawn closer to, to you and to be made more and more into the likeness of Christ. Help us in the days to come. Lord, we don't know what's coming, but You do. So Father, help us to be prepared. Help us to be willing to take a stand regardless of consequence. Lord, help us not to cower back in fear, but to stand for You and Your truth. So Lord, we love You. We need You. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.